You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So before we get to it this week, I have some stuff on my mind. We had our very first Feisty Menopause Performance Retreat at Lake Nona last weekend. And I just want to say that I have come back with my heart about 10 times bigger. It was amazing, like really amazing. And honestly, not in the ways that I expected it to be amazing. I mean, yes, we accomplished all of the stuff that I had hoped. We got these detailed Dari motion analysis movement scans that showed where we were strong and where we had vulnerabilities in our musculoskeletal system. We had heavy lifting and nutrition clinics and the most outstanding presentation by Dr. Vonda Wright at the Houston Clinic. And if anyone wants a doctor who is going to take them to the next level, it's Dr. Vonda freaking Wright. But really what made it one of the most special weekends of my life as far as events are concerned, is that we had this incredible community. Women came from all over the country, Alaska, South Carolina, New York City, Wyoming, you name it. And everyone was so open-minded and open-hearted and just wanting to bond and share and lift other women up as they elevated themselves. And we went dancing and we sang and we jumped around like loons and we smashed a lot of preconceived notions about what menopausal women look like and what they do and their outlook on life. And here's where I really have some stuff on my mind. I heard far too much this weekend how women felt lonely, alone, and or dismissed. We honestly had one of the most amazing trainers in attendance, so skilled, so accomplished, so accessible, so smart, the kind of trainer, honestly, you dream of finding. And she has faced like infuriating age discrimination in the workplace, you know, being told that she's no spring chicken and there's an expiration date to consider here. And there was another woman who had gone into menopause relatively early and she talked about how she felt alone because her same age peers couldn't really relate or weren't particularly interested in the topic. And she has older friends, but they're in different life stages. We had another real badass mountain biker who talked about how people immediately dismiss her when she goes to rent a bike on vacation. You know, they point her to the bike path when she could easily ride double black diamond trails. And she feels lonely at home because there aren't a lot of women around to ride with. And I've heard this from a number of women when they hit 60, especially those sort of later menopausal years, they find that their active buddies disappear. And I'm not entirely sure what to do with all this, but it's on my mind. And I guess the first thing I'd say is that please, please, please know that if you do feel alone, you're not at all. And I'd really recommend joining a forum like like the Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group and looking for others in your area to develop that community and those connections because community is everything. If there was one thing we heard over and over and over this weekend, it's that everybody just really loved being part of a like-minded community. 
And also, I know it's really hard to not internalize these shitty societal messages, but I encourage everyone hearing my voice right now to resist internalizing them as much as possible and to speak about yourself kindly too. Sometimes I hear women dismiss themselves as quote unquote old ladies, whatever that means, in a way that sounds like they're putting themselves out to pasture when they have so much to offer and so much life ahead of them. So I just wanted to say all that. I appreciate all of you. You are all capable of so very much. So let's keep lifting ourselves and each other up. All right. Speaking of lifting each other up, this week's guest has such an important story to share. I sat down with Pat Spencer, founder of Getting Your Mind in Gear, which is a mental coaching company specializing in female and LGBTQIA cyclists and endurance athletes. And well, lately, she's really had to use her skills and expertise to help herself. See, Pat went from being a relatively competitive age group triathlete to not being able to do any endurance sports because of a profound case of relative energy deficiency in sports that she suffered while training for her fourth iron distance triathlon in 2016. And that is something she is still suffering the consequences of today, seven years after she found herself in that hole. And there's a lot to take out of this story. We talk a lot on the show about how important it is to eat enough and to fuel your training and to avoid going into low energy availability. We also talk about how sometimes women feel like they're suffering with a lot of perimenopausal symptoms and they're really suffering from LEA or low energy availability because the two really mimic each other and LEA can make perimenopause worse. Pat's story illustrates all of this better than any I have heard. And I really, really appreciate her willingness to share it on the show. Pat is a licensed clinical social worker and a therapist with her own private practice in New Jersey. She is also an avid gravel cyclist, loves resistance training, and has a passion for scuba diving. You can learn more about her and her work at gettingyourmindingear.com. All right, before we get to it, Reminder, sign up for my free weekly blog at feistymenopause.com, where I distill all the latest research and what it means for you. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at feistymenopause.com. Come on and join that community at Hit Play Not Pause, that private Facebook group. And I have an email, hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com, if you have show suggestions or just some feedback. And finally, very quick thanks to NutriSense for their continued support of the show. Dr. Vonda Wright was talking this weekend about how important it is to keep those jagged sugar spikes to a minimum and how wearing a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, has helped her change up her own diet and bring down her fasting glucose levels and smooth everything out. Couldn't agree more. So thanks, NutriSense, for your continued support. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. 
They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. All right. Well, Pat, I am so glad that you reached out to me to talk about these issues because I've had plenty of shows about the importance of fueling your workouts and eating enough and, um, you know, sort of the perils of low energy availability and relative energy deficiency in sport. And I've had plenty of shows about menopause and the symptoms of perimenopause, but I've really not had a woman who can speak from a personal experience about all of this and you reached out and shared some of your stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that sounds important. So uh, thank you for, <laughs> thanks for reaching out. Yeah, my, my pleasure. I, I I actually do think it's a very important story to get out. Um, not necessarily my personal story, but just that these things oftentimes do exist kind of in the hypothetical. We hear about, oh, this is what can happen with low energy. This is what can happen if you don't recover enough. This is what can happen as your hormones start to go haywire. But it's not often that we really hear this is what actually did happen. And these are the consequences, like the long term consequences. So that is a great way to put it. That is a great way to put it, because I when you talk to experts, they might throw an anecdote in here or there, but they are telling you textbook. They're telling you, yeah, this is the list of things that may happen and you don't want that. But it's rare to um, 
I won't say rare, but I, it, it's not as frequent that you actually hear from a person who is like, puts their hand up and says, well, let me tell you what happened to me. So here we go. <laughs> so hold on to your hats, everybody. <laughs> this is a hell of a story. <laughs> but before we let's let's set the stage a little bit as we, as it were, um, give us a bit of your athletic background. Okay, so I kind of look at my athletic background in like two or three parts. One is childhood, you know, and I, I grew up a pretty active kid. I grew up um, swimming on a swim team, um, you know, so did that from like age eight to age 18. Um, you know, so I come from that swim background of, you know, getting up early, doing a lot of laps in the pool. I was never the fastest. I, I found out in adulthood that endurance is more my thing, not sprint. <laughs> um but that was my athletic kind of background. Uh, in high school, I was going to run cross country, but instead I found the marching band. So two very different worlds uh, and, and did that and loved every second of it. And then I kind of fell off the athletic wagon. Um, I went to college. I, uh, I really embraced the freshman 15. And as a matter of fact, I challenged myself with the freshman 20. Uh, I still have the pizza place uh, phone number memorized. Um, and I graduated college like 30 years ago. Um, and then in adulthood, in 2007, when I was in my mid-30s, I think 2007, oh goodness, math is not my strong point. It puts me around uh, 765, like 35. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I had to think. I was born in 72. So I was going to so say, I'm trying to do 35. math for you, and I'm like, I don't know when you're born. <laughs> like, I don't know how old you are. How old are you now? No, I'm 50 now. Uh, I'll be 51 in June. So in 2007, I think I was 35. And a person I worked with said they were going to do a triathlon. And I said, that sounds fun. Um, and at that point, I hadn't swam since I was like, I hadn't really swam since I was in high school. Uh, hadn't run. Like, I, I used to jokingly say my farthest run was from the couch to the refrigerator to get a beer during a commercial break. Um, you know, so this picked up running. Uh, I, I used to enjoy bike riding, but never competitively. And in 2007, I went and I did my first sprint, um, came in really close to dead last, um, but I finished and I loved it. Yeah. And yeah. that just started the triathlon journey. And so from 2007 to 2016, you know, I went from sprint, sprint distance to Olympic to half to full, um, did my first full distance in 2012. So at age 40 um, mm. and then did three I finished so I finished that one that was rev three cedar point and then 2014 so two years later I finished Ironman Lake Placid the next year I did Challenge Roth in 2015 highly recommend that race I mean if you have a chance to go to Challenge Roth get out there and do it and then I registered for Ironman Mont Tremblant in 2016 and that's where my athletic career kind of came to a screeching halt Hmm. Um, cause it was in, it was in that period of time. So 2015 to 2016 that I overtrained, I underfueled, uh, you know, so 2016, I was 44 ish. Um, and that again, just things, things went haywire. Um, I didn't finish, uh, Mont Tremblant and, um, didn't really do any endurance sports, for a couple of years, then two, three, right before the pandemic, I did USAT nationals. I qualified. I 
I did a race where I was like the only person in my age group. So yay, I won and qualified. Um, and that was the last triathlon I've ever done was uh, right before the pandemic. But since then, I've also, I've found gravel cycling now and that's where I'm at. Sweet. That's quite the journey. Um, I have, I have a couple of questions. So when you say that you were overtrained and underfueled, was any of that, and not the overtraining probably, but the underfueling, was any of that deliberate? Um, that's a mixed answer of yes and no. Okay. It was not uh, underfueling in let me not fuel my body correctly. It was underfueling in that, at least in the, the 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 core group I was in. There's a lot of messaging about body weight and uh, power to weight ratio. And if you're lighter, you can climb faster. If you're lighter, you can run faster. It was never, oh my God, you have to lose weight, but it was just this constant message. And then you see other people on the team like, yeah, I dropped 20 pounds last week and look at how fast I am now. So it was like, okay, I'm going to eat carefully with the knowledge I had at the time, trying to make sure I'm getting enough, but also getting enough so I can lose a little bit of weight. Did it work for a while? Were you rewarded at all for that behavior? I got faster. Um, I don't know if I got faster because I lost weight or if I got faster because I was training and was training well and was swim form was better, run form was better, bike form was better. So yeah, I would see the results. I would see, okay, I just ran this pace a little bit faster. It must be because, uh, you know, I lost one pound from yesterday. And at that point I was weighing myself every day and would be like, okay, am I, Am I trending down? Am I trending them up? Am I trending the same? You know, I'd also weigh myself before and after rides, mainly to see if I was losing weight to see if I needed to replenish. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of had this immediate gratification of, okay, I lost weight and I ran faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at what point, you know, you mentioned DNFing at Mount Chamblant, like, what was that a was that a sudden occurrence of something or did were there any warning signs and what happened at that race like why what went haywire um there were a lot of warning signs um starting in 2015 so starting the year before um uh, so in 2015 again i'm a pretty darn good swimmer like water is where i'm comfortable my other hobby is scuba diving you put me in water i'm a happy camper so in this race, again, it was a sprint race, early season with my friends um, at a course I know really well. I hop in the water and all I can describe it as now is a panic attack happened. But I wasn't panicking in the water. In the water, I was just like, oh, this wetsuit feels tight. So there I am swimming, trying to open up the wetsuit. I could feel my heart racing. And I am a mental health, I'm a therapist, I'm a social worker. I know the signs of panic attacks. I'm like, okay, just breathe deeply. You've got this. You're a good swimmer. And that does happen. It does. It, it, no, it does. And at the time, it didn't It didn't hit me that it was a panic attack. It was mm -hmm. kind of hindsight that I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Um, at some point, a lifeguard comes up to me and pulls me over to the boat. And they have netting on the side of the boat for to hold on to. And all I could tell them was, but I'm an Ironman. I know how to swim. <laughs> 
like literally they're asking about like what's your name i'm like i'm pat i'm an iron man um they're like that's nice thank you i don't even know what an iron man is we're just the rescue squad um you know so they pulled me out of the water were you just flailing i mean is that was there... i actually don't know what they saw okay um i have to assume it was some type of flailing because at some point i'm literally trying to take my wetsuit off in the water Gotcha. But never was I panic stricken. Like never was I, oh my God, I'm going to drown. It was, all right, let me just get this undone. <laughs> get a little <laughs> bit of space in here, you know? Uh, and then they bring you to the boat and I'm like, I'm an Iron Man. Like that <laughs> means anything. To I anybody. love that so much. It's so iconic. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's also so like a triathlete. It's like, no, yeah, well, that's I'm, what I mean. I can do this. You know, I, yeah. I can ride up that hill. I can run really far. I can swim. So they pulled me out of the water, took my blood pressure. It was really, really high, like 180 over something or other. Um, br brought me to the ambulance where I'm in the ambulance and they put warm towels on me and they're just watching my blood pressure drop and drop and drop. And then I hear on the radio, does anybody know where Pat Spencer is? And the ambulance, the, the paramedic or the EMT, she's like, what's your name? I said, I'm Pat Spencer. That's me. And so she's like, oh, we got her. So it was my wife and one of my friends because they didn't see me come out of the water. So go to the ambulance. I calm down. I'm good. My wife and my friend were like, all right, you know, you can go home now. <laughs> so I, I get out of the ambulance. I go to transition to get my bike. And another friend who's one, he's the race director. He's like, are you good? I was like, yeah. I said something happened in the water, but I'm good now. I said, I'm going to go home. He's like, no, 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 no. You get on that bike and you race. <laughs> I was like, I say, all the bikes are out of transition. There's like, what's good? He's like, well, get out there and see what you can do. And what so did I you did. do? <laughs> I got out there and I saw what I could do. And what I could do is I passed a whole bunch of people on the bike. And again, I'm passing the people who are the back of the pack, but I'm still patting every person I'm passing. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, getting more and more, well, quite honestly, cocky. Um, and then do the run. And then, you know, I finished, can't say I finished the race because I didn't finish the swim, but I finished the bike and the run. And then the next day did another triathlon um, at Great Adventure. Don't recommend doing one at Great Adventure. The water's really gross. Um, but that was kind of the first sign was this increase of anxiety. Okay. And then at that point, I was training for Challenge Roth. And things were going okay. Like my times were, they're getting a little bit better, but not quite the improvements that I wanted. Um, I did the race. It went for me, it went well. I'm not a strong runner, but the the bike and the, the the swim and the bike went excellent. The run was a lovely 26 mile walk through Germany. Um, but it was nice. I had a great time and I finished. And then I signed up for a 5K swim. And at that, so I was doing the training for the 5K swim. And again, I just would feel so tired. And I don't, I didn't give myself any recovery time. I, you know, I had a coach and, you know, so I'm telling her all these things. Then 2016 comes around, I'm training for Mont Chamblant and things just go from bad to worse. Um, I would go for a swim and feel really tired, you know, go for your 630 in the morning swim. I'm swimming 3000 meters or 3000 yards and I would just feel exhausted. Um, Finally, one day I called my doctor because I went for a seven mile run and it was an easy run um, around the area that I know really well. And I just felt 
tired's not even the right word. It was like somebody took all of the energy and just sucked it out of me. You know, so much so that on the run, I had to stop once or twice, kind of bend over, hold on to my knees and just gather myself. So I called my doctor and I, ha I happened to really like my doctor and his practice. Um, I went in, I'm like, I ran seven miles and I was tired. And <laughs> they're like, well, you're supposed to be tired after seven miles. But they took me seriously and like, all right, we're going to send you for blood work. We're not really sure what's going on. You know, you know, we know you're in good shape you know, maybe back off for a day or two, but you know, you can keep doing that because exercise is good for you. Great. I go back at some point, the blood work came back with some abnormalities, like really high protein in my urine mm. um, and a few other things, a few other glitches here and there, but nothing enough to say these three blood tests equal this bad thing. It was kind of like this one thing is a little bit high or this one thing's a little bit low, but the protein in the urine was concerning. Um, so I did another, we did a 24 hour urine test and then sent me to a nephrologist. Um, and he did his test and was like, yeah, we're not, I don't see anything really wrong with your kidney functioning. He's like, so we're going to do some blood work. I'm like, great. Everybody's taking this seriously, but also I'm telling everybody I'm training for an Ironman and every doctor is like, keep it up. Exercise is good. And I don't think they really understood how many hours I was training and the intensity that I was training. And, and keep in mind, I'm also working full time. And at the time I was working on a, a hotline for veterans, you know, that can be a pretty stressful job. Um, and I was a clinical supervisor and it's a 24 hour program. And, you know, so I had all that too. So then the nephrologist does blood work and it came back with really abnormal um, light chain Kappa and Lambda light chain serums or something, which is an indication of possible multiple myeloma. So they then sent me to a hematologist and they're like, all right, we'll send you for more tests. We don't see any other indicators. Um, and those light chains remained high, but started coming down. And that doctor is like, well, I know you're training for Ironman, keep it up, exercise is good for you. <laughs> You're obviously healthy. You're the right weight. You're, you know, just look at like my, my arms were like, yeah, gun, sun's out, gun's out, baby. Um, it's not like that anymore, but whatever. Um, so they then sent me to a rheumatologist oh my God. who did 27 vials of blood in one sitting. They sent me for blood work. And the phlebotomist is like, did they say to do it all now? And I said, they didn't say not to. I said, I don't know. I'm a, I, I'm a social worker, not a doctor, not a phlebotomist. And so she prints it out. And if you've ever been to a phlebotomist, they print it out. So she pulls it out. It's like this, it's like a CVS receipt. It's like super long. And I'm like, oh my God. So they take 27 vials of blood. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And again, the rheumatologist is like, all right, so this little thing is off. This little thing is off, but nothing enough to say it's this disease. You know, they sent me for an echocardiogram. They sent me for back x-rays. They, I, I had literally a million dollar workup and none of the doctors could tell me what's wrong. So I kept training because everybody's <laughs> saying exercise is good for you. <laughs> and training is where I get my, it, it's not technically meditation, but it feels like it. Yeah. Um, we all get it. Yeah. You know, like staring at that black line in the pool, you have no idea how many really wonderful ideas I've had. I've written letters to people in the water. They don't know it, but I, I, I am like the most productive in the water. 
but on the bike, like I would be doing workouts and then in training peaks, I would write, um, cause I went back and read them recently. Um, I did the 15 miles, but was just sobbing the entire time. Oh my God. Which is not me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not that in touch with my emotions to cry. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but like literally sobbing on the bike, going for a three mile run, but having to walk two of those miles. Um, at night, I couldn't sleep, but it wasn't hot flashes or anything. It felt like, um, well, quite honestly, it felt like I was drunk. Like I would lay down and the room would spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. So much so that I'd have to go sleep on the couch in the living room just so I could put one foot on the ground and one foot on the wall. Almost like if I was a college student again. Like I had a <laughs> But I, I barely drink. So that wasn't it, you know. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, there was no, no system was working well. You know, my affective system, my emotions were all over the place. My my anxiety increased. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I wanted to sleep. I mean, I love to sleep, but I just couldn't sleep. Uh, nothing, nothing was working. Um, but nobody, maybe my wife said it, but I didn't listen. Nobody said, stop working out. Stop doing, you know, because with um, Mont Tremblant, a bunch of my teammates were also doing it. And it was like, all right, this is supposed to be a really fun thing. We're going to go up there. My parents are coming. My wife will be there. All my teammates will be there. We'll be there to cheer each other on the course. So we go. And again, I'm not feeling great. So I changed my expectations from, okay, I want to do well to just, I want to finish. Um, and so I went out, I did the swim and I, and I did the swim well. Um, and then came the bike and all hell broke loose on the bike for me. I went maybe five miles and I started feeling not so great. And I just kind of made a deal with myself. I said, okay, we have aid stations approximately every 10 miles. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ride to the next aid station and make a decision. Do I continue or do I stop? And I, th there's a, a, a theory of stress hardiness called the three C's of stress hardiness. It's uh, commitment, control, and challenge. So what are you committed to? What can you control? And instead of looking at it as a problem, looking at it as a challenge. So when I was on the bike, I'm literally going through these three C's. I'm like, I'm initially I was committed to finishing the race, but now I'm committed to not having my wife have to come get me out of an ER. Um, you know, and I, what I can control is if I stop or if I go, I can't control anything else at this point. I can control what nutrition I put in. I can control what I drink. I can, but I can't control really how I feel. And in the challenge part was just, okay, just get to the next aid station. Even if that means turning around and riding downhill or something. Um, so I did approximately 40 miles of the bike. And then there's a part of Montchamblant that's an out and back up a hill. And I'm climbing. Oh, it's raining also. And I've seen a number of cyclists getting taken out with uh, on, on ambulances and stuff because of crashes. So I'm climbing this hill and my gears on my bike just stopped working. It, it was almost like there was some major sign or something like, you know, you're not going any further. Um, 
So I stood there on the side of the road with my bike, having a temper tantrum like a five-year-old, crying. I just, I'm literally going, I want my mommy. Um, and I decided, I knew that there was going to be an aid station up the road. I'm like, so I'm just going to walk my bike up. But I didn't know how far up the road. So I, went, I walked about a mile, no aid station. I'm like, that's it. I'm turning around, calling it. And turned around, rode down the hill, rode to transition, and quit. Um, and got brought to medical because I was freezing, absolutely freezing. Um, and that was how I ended my triathlon career, basically. So I, a couple of questions. Like, did anyone, did your coach or anyone ever uh, query about your fueling? About did, did, did food and nutrition ever come into this giant matrix of problem solving? Not that I recall. Um you know, there might have been things like, well, make sure you're eating, you know, what do you have on the bike, stuff like that, but never anything like, you know, are you seeing a nutritionist here? Let me, because I don't expect my coach to have all the answers. Um, but, you know, hey, let's link you up with a nutritionist. Let's read this article. Let's, do, you know, and I live in central New Jersey. We have quite literally world world experts like a mile away, you know, Um but no, nobody ever really looked at the food. Um, oh, also in all the blood work, it came back that I had a slight allergy to eggs, dairy, and wheat, which was the cornerstone of my diet, like egg and cheese bagels I love. Um, and so once I stopped eating them, like my face would clear up, my skin would clear up, but nothing. And then I'm also left figuring out what do I eat? If I can't eat wheat, how do I can I bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with me? If I can't eat eggs, well, I still can't bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because they probably have eggs in, you know? Um, so it just, it was a hot mess back in 2016. So how did you get out of it? Like wh where did you actually go to figure out what was happening? Yeah. Um, so I actually was online one day, like on, I don't know if I was on Facebook or, or where, but I saw an article on on Outside Magazine or Outside Online. And I don't remember the specifics of the article, but I remember them interviewing Dr. Sean Arndt. And he was talking about like endurance athletes and stuff like that. Um, and in the article, it said Sean was affiliated with Rutgers University. And at the time I worked for Rutgers University. So I had access to people search and Googled Sean, found his email, emailed him. And he linked me up with his wife, Michelle Arndt. Um, and so at the time, Sean was, you know, I don't remember what his, his title was, but he he's a PhD in like exercise or sports science. He's pretty renowned for nutrition and, you know, information like that. Um, he was running the... Oh my gosh, I'm going to figure what they called it. Essentially, like the human performance lab mm -hmm. where um, it looked like a gym, but in it, they also had like um, the bod pod for body composition testing. They had um, like, you know, treadmills and bikes set up to do VO2 max testing and threshold testing. And um, they were also doing some research with blueprint for athletes to look at biomarkers for endurance athletes, specifically endurance male triathletes. Um so got linked up with them. Michelle um, is like an expert in strength and conditioning and also nutrition. So she listened to my story and she's like, 
holy shit. Um, that's overtraining syndrome to like the letter. Um, so she's like, you can't work out like you were. She's like, you cannot bike, you cannot run, you cannot swim. She's like, we're going to get you doing some strength. So I did strength training with her twice a week. We then, she's also, um, does a lot of nutrition. So then we worked on my nutrition and it was once, once we got the fueling better that I started feeling better. So the strength plus the fueling really, really helped an awful lot. What did you change with your nutrition? I changed a lot. I learned how to, I should also add that not even because of Ironman, just because of my own biology and genetics, I, my blood sugar tends to run a little high. I'm not technically diabetic, but I'm pre-diabetic that uh, quite honestly on any day, I think my doctor could put me on like metformin or something. Um, so Michelle's like, all right, we have to find the carbs that work well with you and figure out how to eat those carbs around the time that you're working out. So the high energy carbohydrates and have the low energy carbohydrates essentially other times. Um, so became much, much, much more mindful about what I'm putting in my body and when, um, and how to make sure I'm putting enough of it in my body. So, um, although I know there's a lot of controversy about keeping food logs and stuff like that, I did it pretty religiously for a while, mainly to make sure I'm getting enough into my body. Were you eating considerably more? Yes. Yes. Yeah, considerably more, uh, c considerably more regularly also. Um, like she would talk to me about, you know, hey, if you work this really high stress job, you still have to eat. So what are some things we can bring that you can bring to your office that are not bags of lay potato chips or something? You know, how to how to bring something that's quick, that doesn't have to be warmed up, that, you know, you can eat at a desk or standing in a cubicle or something. Mm -hmm. So became much more mindful about that. Um and quite honestly, it's still a journey with me to figuring out when to eat and how much and what to put in my body. Um, but through that, through, you know, Michelle's help and Michelle's guidance, like I, she gets all the credit here is, um, you know, I've been able to get back to some level of endurance racing. Um, like I actually just talked to the day because I was kind of going over kind of this podcast and like, what, what am I going to talk about? And she's like, well, she said that when she first met me, she was she wasn't sure I would actually recover that I would never be able to do endurance sports again. Wow. Cause I was so deep in the hole. Um, like there's the, you get into overtraining and low energy. If you get out of it quickly, you're okay. I, I dug that hole and kept digging. Um, so by the time I got to her, I probably had been overtraining maybe not consistently, but for like a, maybe a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Some people, I mean, also frame, like I've talked to some experts who frame overtraining as almost always under fueling and under recovering, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. It does, does perimenopause enter this journey anywhere and weave its way in? Yes, it does. So at the time that all this was happening, like 2016, I was 44. Um, and, you know, my periods have never been clockwork. They've never been something that I can say, okay, it's every 28 days or every 30 days. It's kind of like, well, they're every four to six ish weeks. Um, when all this was going on, a period was all over. The, I still had it, but it was all over the place. 
you know, a lot of these symptoms are quite honestly the same as perimenopause, the increased anxiety, the increased lethargy, the decreased performance. Um, you know, so it's kind of hard to parse out what exactly is overtraining, what exactly is low energy, what exactly is perimenopause. I do think, and this is me just thinking about myself, of I think that the low energy and the overtraining impacted my menopause journey because that's all hormones. I mean, it's all the endocrine system that's getting messed up there. It's not just estrogen. It's not just progesterone. It's not just testosterone. It's, it's your insulin. It's your, all the others, <laughs> all the other hormones that are out there. Um, you know, and then like the signs of perimenopause really started hitting two or three years ago. Like, my, my body temperature regulation has never been great. I've I always run a little bit cold or a little bit hot, but it was like somebody had just messed with the thermostat. I, I remember texting Michelle one day, I'm at the gym and I was lifting weights because um, she, she loves lifting heavy shit. Um, and I texted her and I'm like, I'm not sure if it's hot in the gym or a hot flash. Like, <laughs> how do I tell? <laughs> um but yeah. nobody at any point had said, because um, I'm just curious in this whole medical journey, because you are a woman in your mid 40s, right, who's experiencing some of this stuff. Did anyone ever say, let's try some estrogen or, or hormone therapy? Did, did that ever come? No, 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 That's interesting. no, no. The rheumatologist suggested some medication. She goes, we use this to treat cancer. You might not need it, but maybe we should try it. <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> Just try some other things first before jumping to like cancer drugs when I don't have cancer. Yeah, yeah, good call. But for decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. 
I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. So then at some point you do feel good enough to like compete in that USA uh, in the nationals, right? I felt. Are you qualified for the nationals? I qualified. So I did the sprint and I, I think the phrase good enough is, is a nice phrase. Cause I didn't feel great. I felt like uh, quite honestly, the, the DNF at I am at, at Mont Tremblant left a really bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I don't want my last triathlon to be a DNF because of this stuff. Mm. So quite honestly, against everybody's recommendations, I'm like, that's it. I'm training. I'm doing it. Michelle's like, okay, you can train for it, but you and I are going to talk like every day and we're going to make sure, you know, that the second anything comes up, we're pulling the plug. And in that I had to change my expectations from doing well to, to doing good enough. And, um, so I did the one in Jersey at the Skylands because that was all Skylands try was also my very first triathlon in 2007. So I'm like, let me go back and try it. Went from almost dead last to first in my age group. Um, but when I did USAT nationals, it was not, it was not the performance I could have done a few years prior. Like when I got to the run, I think I probably walked maybe a quarter of it, um, which is a 10 K run. And I, you know, back in the day I could run 10 K in my sleep. Um, so I'm glad I did it, but it wasn't what I had wanted. I'd wanted to have a, you know, like LL Cool J says, don't call it a comeback. Um, you know, I wanted that comeback. So that didn't happen. And that was it. Did you close the, the book on triathlon? I closed triathlon? the book on triathlon. And I think it was later that year that I bought a gravel bike because um, I was bike riding on my road bike one day here in Jersey. And a, a guy came up and intentionally ran, ran me off the road a number of times. And I was like, you know, I'm had enough of these roads. So I'm going to go. There's plenty of dirt roads around. Let me get a gravel bike. And at the very least, I can ride the Delaware Raritan Canal. Um, so bought a gravel bike. And, you know, that's where my gravel biking kind of just started. So now I do all the gravel endurance, like, you know, I've done Unbound twice. I did the 100 uh, Unbound twice. I did Vermont Overland. I didn't finish it, but I did it in 2021. I did, um, I've done Rooted Vermont. I've done SBT. Done a few. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 fun. And it, it, but that is still, you know, I'm a, I am a gravel rider and racer myself. So I know what, what these are about. And you know, I I have done Unbound the 200, and that was harder than either of the Ironmen that I did, you know, because it takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. And even 100 miles on gravel is energy dependent, 
right? It, it takes quite a bit. So how are you managing that? I, I jokingly call bike riding now a rolling buffet. Um, <laughs> I, I look like a pack camel when I'm out there because I'm pretty sure I could feed all of the riders around me. Um, I put a, a very much focus on my nutrition, um, especially in and around bike riding. Um, I've worked with a nutritionist for like two a year or two, mainly to get me to eat more carbs. Um, and I don't have a hesitancy to eat the carbohydrates. It's just a matter of how to make sure I'm getting enough. Um, I hear you. It, you know, it can um, be a challenge. It can be like, even if you, even if you, like you said, even if you're not resistant to it, I find myself not eating enough on the bike all the time. It's just because it, you have to consciously think about it and it's easy just to not do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very easy to not do it. And I'm still working through it. Like what, what I found this past year is in gravel biking, I love it because we can wear those hydration packs, you know, triathlon, you'd get laughed off the course, but in gravel, it's like, yeah, wear whatever you got. More bags, the better. <laughs> People got bags attached to their bike. I'm like, good on you. But I found if I put um, a drink mix, not just water, if I put an actual drink mix in my hydration pack, I drink more, you know? And so now it's looking at what, so I happen, uh, Scratch is my favorite brand. So I'm, I'm looking for what's the right, how many scoops do I need? Um, you know, and I also happen to love solid food. So um, I found these bars, they're called Bobo's. Bobo's mm. is the, the company, love them. They have this lemon pot seed bar. Oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. um, I love payday bars, the candy bars with the peanuts. Yes, I have done entire bar. events almost on paydays. They're amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at Unbound, I love it because, you know, you you have your support crew. I have my wife. And so she meets me. She has her Subaru. The tailgate's open. I love it. You watch the videos for Unbound. You see all the pros and they got like the big vans and everybody's like washing their bike. I'm like, yeah, no, we got a hatchback and I've got some potato chips laid out. I got some bugles. I got some Doritos, <laughs> you know. Um, when I did SBT this year, there was a like a torrential downpour and a thunderstorm at one point. And so we stop and there's a rest stop and I'm, I'm going in back and forth in my mind. I'm like, do I stop here and let the storm pass or do I keep going? But I knew right past that rest stop, I was turning onto a highway and would be on the highway for about a mile before turning on side roads. I'm like, there's no way in hell I want to be on a highway in a thunderstorm. So I stop at this rest stop and they had burritos. I have had the best time. I'm like sitting there eating burritos. Um, you know, so I guess to answer your questions, I'm much more mindful about it. And I don't say no to food. If somebody's offering me something to eat and I'm on a bike ride, I'm eating it. Um, I'm where I'm focusing on now is fueling outside of the bike rides. So making sure I'm getting enough carbohydrates before the ride the meal immediately after the ride and the, the second meal after the ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so like third breakfast, make sure I'm still having enough carbs. Eleven Z's. Yes. Yeah. Um, and just kind of paying attention and seeing how I'm feeling with that. Um, you know, so I, like I said, I'm much, much, much more mindful. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said I sometimes wasn't concerned about weight. I, I know that weight is, I know I shouldn't be concerned, you know, but now I'm shooting all over myself, which we don't want to do. Um, but it's about having to think about, okay, 
yes, the numbers on the scale are saying this, but quite honestly, they're not that important. They're not my self-worth. They're not anything. But how I feel is what's important. How am I getting through the day? How am I getting through not just today, but tomorrow? Um, you know, sometimes when I'm bike riding, I'll kind of jokingly tell myself, well, this snack is not for today's ride. This is for tomorrow's. Because um, if I can stay off, I, I don't need to replenish if I'm plenished. Yeah, no, that that's actually really true. And I, and I actually say that to myself as well. How are you feeling? Um, overall, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. I am much, much, much more aware of how my body does feel. And sometimes I might overreact. Um, so like yesterday, I, I'm doing this training camp thing where we have to ride, you know, they give us a plan of how many times to ride and everything. And yesterday I had a two and a half hour bike ride schedule on the trainer. But the day before I also had a two and a half hour ride. And yesterday when I woke up, my back was hurting, my leg was hurting. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to ride. Today's going to be a stretch type of day. It's going to do household chores, um, which is not what I would have done several years ago. I'm like, it says two and a half hours. By God, I'm doing two and a half hours. Give me some Advil and keep going. Um, I do find now I can ride for a long, long time. I can ride forever, but I will never be ever, ever be at the front of the pack again. I, I used to be like in the 25 to 50% range of finishers. Now I'm in the 75 to end part of the finishers. Um, I just don't have speed. Um, I find my heart rate um, is a lot higher than it used to be. I don't have the actual numbers, but I can just tell you that, you know, walking up a flight of stairs gets my heart rate going. Um, doing even an easy bike ride, you know, on a flat canal gets my heart rate up. Um, so yes, I'm feeling good enough to do endurance. No, I'm not feeling good enough to go as fast as I want. And, and you know, sometimes it's hard. It's humbling. It's like at Steamboat, I'm in the back of the pack. And at the start, everybody is passing me. I'm like, I'm already in the back. Who's passing me? Um, you know, and it, it's just, quite honestly, sometimes a little sad. You know, okay, I'm happy I'm doing this. I, I'm sad that I'm not where I was, but I'm grateful that I'm where I am. That's very well put. Is do you because you are fifty? Like, where where are we with? I'm wondering if there's a how much of this is residual from where you were in that hole, and how much is where you might be in this menopause transition journey? You know, I mean, there's such an intersection of things. It's hard, as you said before, to parse out what's what. But where are you with that piece of this? Yeah, um, the the menopause journey. I am well into it at this point. Um, so last year was 2022. So I'm having to do math again. So in 2021, like 20, 2020 and 2021, I started really getting like hot flashes, like, um, and, and then my period was all over the place. And, you know, the flow was sometimes horrendous, sometimes not. Um, I was like, sometimes like a murder scene. I'm like, don't come in here. Um, <laughs> And, and again, just hot flashes and it, the hot flashes got to the point where they were super frequent, like multiple times an hour, um, not sleeping. Like I'd go to sleep and then those night sweats and the hot flashes would hit and then I'd be super hot. So kick off the comforter, then super cold because now I'm sweaty. So throw the comforter back on. 
So I wasn't sleeping, the, the, the hot flashes, the period is all over the place. Um, so I went to my gynecologist um, and I'll be honest, I hadn't seen a gynecologist in years because my primary would just take care of everything. Um, and I told her what was going on. She's like, do you want some hormones or something? I was like, oh God, yes. Put me on something because I need to sleep. Because if I don't sleep, I'm a, I'm not nice. Um, so she started me on some birth control pills and almost immediately the hot flashes went away. Um, I can't say I've had one in over a year. Oh, that's great. Um, which I was able to sleep. Um, you know, because of the birth control pills, I haven't had a period in over a year. But at that point, also with, with the gynecologist, I hadn't had a period for six months, then I had it and then hadn't had one for three months. And then so I was well into that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that perimenopause, menopause, whatever this journey is, I do think it's impacting my performance now. Um, I'm definitely uh, rounder in the middle than I once was. Um, you know, I was jokingly saying before that, you know, my arms used to be nice and buff. They did. They were, they used to be. Um, I was at the gym today and I was like, okay, I'm lifting heavy shit. This is great. I'm strong. Got to be honest. I sometimes wish I had that little, you know, the definition right here, the bicep, tricep, you know, but I'm like, okay, is what it is. Yep. <laughs> Again, mourn what's lost, but be grateful for what you have. And keep working for better. That is a that is a mic drop, and I w- would be very tempted to stop there. But I am curious when you when you think that are you optimistic that there is better that the that you're going to get on the you know that you're still working your way out of this place and that it is going to get better. Okay. Oh God, yes. Yeah, Good. yeah. I, Good. I tend to be a pretty hopeful person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe things will be better. I'm just not sure what better actually is. Um, You know, like, does better mean I'm going to have defined arms and, you know, nice thighs again? Maybe. Maybe better is me being just more comfortable in my own body. Maybe better is um, kind of getting out there and being a, I hate saying this, we're like a role model for others. Um, you know, so I do believe that things are going to get better. I just don't know if things are going to return to what they were. Yeah, I don't know if that's when I speak personally, I don't I tend to not look rearview mirror. That's my sort of mantra in life. You know, just like the race is ahead of you or the event is ahead of you or life is ahead of you. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, is ahead of you. Um, so I I I. I I was in my mind wondering if, you know, in your, in your mind, your better was being mid-pack or being closer. I mean, how important that was to you as opposed to being, you know, your better being like, I am good where I'm at because I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would like to be further up when I'm finishing races. I would like to be a little bit faster. Um, some of that's based on what races I choose. Uh, fair <laughs> steamboat you know, might be a hard one you might want to yeah. like pick a like, local I, my sweet spot's actually 50 miles if you put me in a 50 mile bike race i actually do pretty well you know i'm not quite where i want to be but i do pretty well um i happen to love the challenge of 100 miles um and so for that my better is when i finish i want to finish feeling stronger um, 
So like two years ago, the first year I did Unbound and Unbound was my first gravel race ever. Um, when I did Unbound two years ago, about 10 miles from the finish, I just stood up just to, you know, wiggle in, off the saddle a little bit and get a little blood flow. And my, I forget if it was left or right, but my, one of my quads just seized up. And then I sat back down the bike. I'm like, huh, I still got 10 miles to go. <laughs> um, and then I'm pedaling and then the opposite leg, the hamstring seized up. And I'm like, oh, this is so not fun. So my better is finishing the race without cramping. Right. You know, um, and I did that last year. I was able to finish that race without cramping. Um, I, when I finished Steamboat this year, I was really far in the back and they ran out of water at the finish line. So if I ever do Steamboat again, my goal was to have water at the finish line. <laughs> I I really, really appreciate like not just you sharing your story, but also your uh psychological insights because and, and also your expertise from for framing things which I, clearly shines through that you do a lot of this professionally so that's that's a treat as well is there anything that we haven't talked about pat that you would like to leave this audience and i know you know this audience with mm -hmm. i think my so my takeaway something i try to teach people is to pay attention to what you're feeling what you're feeling physically and what you're feeling emotionally um, you know, I call it the BMC body, mind, community. So pay attention to your body, trust your body. If something's not right in your body, guess what? It's not right. Um, it doesn't mean you have to catastrophize and be like, oh my God, it's this horrible thing, but it's like, no, let's like, like I did yesterday, you know, let's just take a step back. Let's pay attention. Does your body need a little bit more rest? Does your body need a little bit more hydration? Does your body need um, a massage? Does your body need to slow down a little bit? Um, so pay attention to what's happening. And if you go tell somebody about it and they tell you, oh, it's nothing, well, go find somebody else. Um, you know, we have a whole community on, on, on the Facebook group that will listen. Um, you know, heck, if anybody wanted to reach out to me, I'm certainly willing to listen, you know, but pay attention to what you're feeling. Um, and then emotionally, again, pay attention to those emotions. Don't 100% buy into them and be like, oh, my God, I'm so anxious. This is never going to get better. But pay attention to what the story is, what's important to you. So if someone like, like myself, like I am sad that I'm not able to go as fast. Um, I'm sad that I'm not able to go as fast because in part I'm mourning some of what is lost. You know, I'm kind of a little bit of regret of not kind of grabbing life by the horns and being a little bit smarter back then. But what's important to me is performance, you know, and getting out there and living life. So with that feeling of sad, it's like, okay, paying attention, this is important to me, but now how do I move forward with it? How do I essentially accept what I have, but work for more? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it right there. Just because like I'm getting misty and I think that's the perfect place to leave it. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. I really, really appreciated you sharing this story. No, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. And I, and I just hope people pay attention to their bodies, you know, and, and train smartly. <laughs> and if your coach isn't listening to you or you don't feel like people are hearing you, there are others out there. Well, that's our show. 
Come on back next week when I sit down with the amazing Sarah Jane Nichols, who was seven-time British champion, four-time European champion, and the 1986 world champion in BMX. And now, 34 years later, at the age of 52, she has picked up her BMX bike to compete again. You will not want to miss this conversation. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.